What's up, world? Welcome to another episode of the Matt West Now podcast. I am your host, Matt, just in case you have forgotten. That's right. It's me. It's me. It's Matt hanging out with you here on a brand new episode of the show. That being said, it might be easy to forget all about this thing because it's been a minute since I dropped a new episode and there's one big reason why. Let me explain. I'm human. That's right. I'm human. And sometimes real life gets in the way of the things that uh, we want to do. And and I'll be completely honest with you guys. If you're listening right now, I I question whether or not it's even worth the time. Like, is anybody listening? Does anybody care? Roommate Dave, roommate Dave, how many episodes of my podcast have you listened to? That's what I thought. Zero. So see, I mean, that's okay. All right. I get it. You're here. You, you, listen to all of them as we're doing them. But that being said, you know, I wonder sometimes, is anybody even listening? Does anybody care if we stopped? Would it just go away and nobody would even mind? And then all of a sudden I go to check the DMs or, you know, look on Instagram and man, I say this every week. And when you guys screenshot and tag that you're listening, or if you send me a message, I see it and I'm going to start responding or try to respond to every single one of them. But those messages mean a lot, whether it's just getting you through a drive or, you know, if there's something that one of the guests says that actually strikes a nerve or or hits a chord with you and makes you think about something, then it's worth it to me. And uh, I I have. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I've questioned whether or not it's even worth the time. Does anybody care? And then I realize what I've said all along, that if one person is listening and one person gets some positive, whether that's just laughing their butt off or if there's something said that triggers something inside them to to open a door for somebody or to just smile at a random stranger, then you know what? It's worth it. And so we're going to forge ahead and we're going to keep going and we're going to keep doing this podcast. I'm going to do my absolute best to get a couple of episodes out this week. I'm going to start trying to catch up and, you know, we started this thing in December and I've went through this roller coaster. Uh, Do we keep doing it or not? And we're going to keep doing it. So I'm going to do my best to uh, start putting together a couple of episodes a week, maybe just to try to catch up. But anyways, I, I always want to know who you guys want to hear from. And and I'm doing my best to to put all that together. I've got a couple of those guests that are on that list that uh, everybody continues to request. And I have certain specific times that I'm going to bring uh, a few special guests onto the show uh, this summer. This summer is going to be fun. I, I have committed myself to doing this podcast, and I know that this summer is going to be a lot of fun. That being said, continue, if you don't mind, to to tag me in those posts. If you screenshot the podcast or you have somebody you want to listen to, make sure you hit me up. Make sure you uh, comment on social media. It's pretty easy to find me, Matt L. West. That's right, Matt L. West. Don't forget the L. A lot of people forget that. You'd be surprised how many people try to email me and they go, well, I've emailed you a thousand times. Well, what'd you email it to? Matt West at blah, 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 blah. Uh, well, that's not going to get it. you got to have the L on all social media platforms. Um, hanging out here in the West Fit Studios, it is a busy gym this morning. A lot of people in, so um, I'm going to try to keep the front end of this podcast short and sweet so I can get out there and get on the floor and get to work as well. Uh, brand new shipment of West Fit gear coming in this week, so watch for that to drop, and you can find all of that at mattwestnow.com. That's right. It's as simple as that. 
mattwestnow.com is where you can find everything. You can even find all of the gym merchandise on there. Also, I, I inevitably, every single week, I have somebody ask me about where they can find the gym shirts. You can go to Instagram, WestFitOK. Uh, you can go to the website, mattwestnow.com. There is a gym portion in there. You can get all your WestFit gear. You can get all your Matt West Now stuff, whatever, if you so choose. That being said, I'm excited about this episode. A good friend of mine, Anthony Lucia, that I've known for a long time. This is a guy that has such an interesting story, and um, I, I think we're eventually going to dive back into that story a little bit later on. I, I'd love to do another episode with Anthony. There's actually going to be two episodes come out this week. The first one is going to be uh, a pretty serious episode. I, I don't want to deter you away. It's not super, super serious. Like we're not getting down to the nuts and bolts of every important aspect of life. We have some fun, but um, it, it's a little bit more of a you know the typical Matt West now format where I learn a lot about Anthony. We talk about some real life stuff. This is a guy that you know has been featured at the National Finals Rodeo. He's been a, a world renowned trick roper. He is an incredibly talented human being that now is on Ride TV every week with the PBR's Velocity Tour. He announces some incredible rodeos like the Days of 47 in Salt Lake City. Um, Just a a super, super, super awesome guy with a a ton of talent. Recently got married, and that's going to be interesting in the very beginning part of this podcast because, well, I'll just let you hear for yourself, all right? So pay close attention. Um, Hit me up, social media. Hit Anthony up. Tell him if you like this podcast or you didn't. If you want to see him on here again or, or you want to listen to him on here again, uh, hit him up and tell him. And uh, let's get to it. I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited about the future. And hopefully you guys are too. Hopefully you guys are having a great day. And hopefully this makes your day a little bit better. This is my conversation with Anthony Lucia. I have this weird thing, and I don't like holding a microphone. So, i.e., I have these little microphone stands here. This is extra small. If you had normal, like, grown-up micro microphone stands, I wouldn't have to hold it. Well, but I, I have to have <laughs> these little... because uh, I'm not sure if my chair's really high or the micro, microphone stand's really okay, low. Okay, so I have these tiny little microphone stands because I fly with them, and they're compact, and I can, they are, they're Very. collapsible. Is this the snack size? And your chair is... <laughs> like You're like three feet taller than I am. Thank standing. you. This is, Thank you, Matt. I I've tried been... to set this up to make you feel comfortable, this and here I am. I feel inadequate. Well, it's not, you know... That's something you can work through, I'm sure. <laughs> I have this giant microphone stand and this short ass tiny big, chair. You do have a huge microphone stand. <laughs> Mine looks like your microphone stand like had this, a baby, and there, here it is. <laughs> there's potential. This could be the worst podcast in the history of podcasts, but there's also worst or best. Yeah, I was gonna say there's also a fifty percent <laughs> chance. Uh I guess I should start by saying congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations, man. Thank you. It's awesome. Yeah. It was, last night was a big night. That's not what I'm talking about. But, oh, you're talking but about... I was talking about, <laughs> about you being married now. Oh, yeah. But, that. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that little thing, that, that wedding thing. That's... No, but congratulations. <laughs> let's, let's start chronologically. Congratulations on the marriage. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's... Uh, I'm I'm very fortunate to have have my wife now. Yeah, and it's still how crazy uh, is that? It's a bit. It's it's. I'm you know 34 years old when when you're not married, um. Until you're 34, people start like 
It's like one of the, how old are you? Uh, what? Just <laughs> continue with your story. <laughs> this is not no. about me. This is about you. You're the guest. No, uh, there was a point. My dad was always very, my dad was married four times. And so it was one of those things where he's like, wait as long as you can to right. get married. Make sure it's right. Yeah. And, and, and as opposed to, and, and young love, hey, it works. There's a lot of people that I know that got married 19. My brother got married when he was 20 years old, and he's been married for tw- literally 21 years. Really? And then Tommy Joe, my oldest brother, has been married for 25 years or something crazy like that. And so, but I was just, uh, I was under the impression that I wanted to make sure. I was very scared. I was scared of divorce. Yeah. Um, okay, going you just through. brought up a great point because this is what people ask me all the time. They're like, well, don't you think it's time for you to get married and, and yada, yada, yada? And it's like, you know, I, I want it to be right, not yeah. because I'm scared of commitment, but <laughs> Matt Merritt's taking his ever. pants off. Matt Merritt literally what? just walked into this room and, and now took it's his, his socks. Off. Why are you getting undressed? What are you? I, okay. Oh, Anyways, my God. Let's back to this. So, um, but yeah, it's not a fear of commitment. It's yeah, not a, no. a fear of marriage. It's a fear of divorce yeah. because people think divorce is just. The it's norm, just, like, yeah, it's something you do, and uh, and 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 that you know, and and it's it sucks that my dad was married that many times, but it's one of those things where divorce stinks yeah. for it. For it, there's nobody that wins from divorce, and it's one of those things where I was scared of divorce. I was scared that I wasn't going to be a good husband, and it took a lot of, uh, I mean, straight up a lot of prayer and a lot of mm-hmm. maturing in my brain and and in my soul and in my life to think that, okay, I can do this. And God brought along the most amazing female that uh, quite possible. I mean, she's just, she's awesome. Well, and you said that in a way that, I mean, you, you just basically showed why I'm such a, an Anthony fan is because the, the humility that you have, like, it's not that I'm worried about somebody else. It's worried that, you know, maybe, maybe I'm not ready to be a great husband yet. I think that's, that's so important. People don't, people don't think like that. Yeah. I think there's, there's part of, there's one of those things that, uh, that everybody's always, you're looking at the other person, like, is this the right one? Well, am I the right one? Right. You know what I'm saying? And, And that was even shoot two, two weeks, three weeks before, we got married. We, my, our pastor, Pastor Trey Johnson, we've been kind of going to some pre-wedding sessions with him, pre-marriage sessions, just kind of going through some stuff. And right. he's like, what's your biggest fear? And I said, that I'm going to suck at being a husband. Yeah. Yeah. And it was when I said it out loud, it was because I'd always felt it internally. Like, this is one of the reasons. Because my dad, I love my dad. My dad was the biggest influencer in my life, and he right. still is. Right. But he was bad at relationships. Right, and I was worried that I was going to be that way, yeah. that I was going to be too. Because doing what we do, living the lives that we live, and and pursuing our our goals, our dreams, and and working our butts off to try to achieve and and be something, and make something of ourselves, and accomplish the things that we desire to accomplish, we can be somewhat. I I, I can't speak for you, but I can no, be somewhat self centered. You absolutely can, and I, and I think it you. takes a, a somewhat of a selfish human being to be in our position. Now that's whether it's you know successful people yeah. in any walk of life have to be selfish to, to a, a degree. certain degree. Yes, agreed. I, I agree. And and that's where that's what concerned me the most is that I wasn't going to be as as understanding with my wife or 
be able to devote and give the amount of time and effort that a, a, a strong relationship right. needs. But we have we have mutual friends, Richard Jones, Matt Merritt. There's my brothers, and they were just speaking life into me. Yeah. They were speaking positive, like, listen, you can do this. And it was one of those things where I almost had to believe it, that I could do it. And now that I've actually, I am married, mm-hmm. man, I, I mean, people always said, there's some people like, oh, oh, ball and chain, right? Well, if yeah. that's the way you think of your relationship, that's what it's going to be. If you look at things negatively, yeah. they're, they're obviously they're going to have a negative reaction <laughs> yes. on, on the way that you feel about them. Yeah. Um, but the cool thing about her is it's not like you just found her at some <laughs> local bar, no. you know, there in Texas. No. Like she, she has a pretty cool story. Yeah, God set it up perfectly where when I met her, she was a school teacher. She was finishing up her master's at, at Tarleton, and she was a substitute teaching. And, I mean, I met her at the Austin Rodeo yeah. and had no idea that she lived in Stephenville at the time. She was finishing up her, her schooling, and, and it was one of those things. She was just a, a substitute teacher, and then she's like, oh, can you help me study? And I'm like, help you study for what? And she said, well, I'm running for Miss Rodeo, Texas. I'm like, okay. I always said, I always said that I wasn't ever going to date. I wasn't going to date a barrel racer or rodeo queen. Same. <laughs> and so the first thing I, I learned is that, okay, she's a rodeo queen. Well, she runs for Miss Rodeo, Texas. She doesn't win. So I'm like, okay. That's out, you know, this is a brilliantly smart young, brilliantly is not even a word. She's a smart one of our relationship. Uh, (laughs) And I'm like, this girl is so smart. She's so driven. She's such a hard worker. She's going to get her doctorate. I'm going to marry. I mean, I'm going to date a doctor. This is so cool. You're going to be the arm candy. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, this is going to be so great. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'd be arm candy, but (laughs) it's kind of cool to think about. But, and, and so that's out of her system, whatever. So she gets a job teaching school and she's a high school ag teacher and, I mean, this is so awesome. Like, she's going to have the summers off where she's going to be able to rodeo or go to these events with me during the Perfect. summer yeah. at home, take Perfect. care of stuff. December rolls around five months, four months after she did not win Miss Rodeo Texas. She says, and she says, uh, I'm going to run for Miss Rodeo Texas again. And, I, and I'm going to tell myself I was completely against it. Right. I mean, I, I literally spoke very negative things. Well, and the fact that she... Is, was still with me today. I still thank her for that because I was like, that's dumb. Like, you you did it. You know, you didn't win. You, you got your whole life ahead of you. You can build your career, finish your school. And things like that can be a strain on a relationship. Absolutely. Because be- that's two people spending time on the road away from each other. Well, and here's the kicker. If... This is what I... This is what I had learned about the Miss Rodeo Texas. If you become Miss Rodeo Texas, you have to move to San Antonio... You're not allowed to have a, and I'm air quote, throwing air, air quotations, you're not allowed to have a boyfriend. You have to appear as a independent, right? not single like you're single out, whatever. But chasing. single. Yeah, but you got to be single. You can't have, be around your boyfriend. So that was my biggest thing is I'm like, we've been dating almost a year and now all of a sudden we've got to pretend that we're not together if you win. And my biggest fear was when she did that is that I knew how hard she was going to work to win it. And then I knew deep down that she was going to go on to win Miss Rodeo America. Right. What happens? She wins Miss Rodeo Texas two weeks after my dad died. She moves to San Antonio. She's not able to, well, I mean, we see each other very limited. We still talk on the phone. Six months later, she wins America. But what God showed me was during that year, he said, do you want to be better 
and show that you can you can be an independent person. Yeah. And you can grow up and you can be loyal to her, even though this is a very hard way to have a relationship. And he showed me that I could do that. And that year helped us so much. She was a superstar. I mean, and, and she's still recognized. She's I mean, people still recognize her as, and maybe I'm biased, but she was one of the best Miss Rodeo Americas and best representatives of professional rodeo that there's ever been because of her, just her genuine kindness and her heart and her love for people and her love for our sport and how hard she worked to be the best. But through that year of us, quote unquote, you know, not being together, uh, it was a, God was just preparing me for, for life. And, and it was, uh, it was pretty, it's pretty neat how it's all worked out. And you trust know, me, I'm a f- firm believer in nothing in life worth having is going to be easy. Absolutely. We all know that. And I think, I think we agree, uh, on that. And so I feel like God puts things like that in our path sometimes, not necessarily to test us, but give us an opportunity to succeed. Well, yeah, Some people like, look at give it the us wrong the tools way. to succeed yeah. and to realize within ourselves, you know what? I can do that. You know, you talk about, can I, can I do this? And, and I think it's, it's not so much to see how we react. It's so that we see something in ourselves exactly in a positive light. Yes, absolutely. Giving us the opportunity to be lazy and be a scumbag or put a little effort into something or realize that how trans- good we are. Exactly, and that translates into everything in our yeah, lives. Hundred percent. I mean, the minute you meet a roadblock in in anybody's career, the minute you meet a something that is difficult to get through, there's a reason that there's only a select number of people that are successful in anything. Right. That's because are you willing to trudge through the mud to get to the grass? Do you consider yourself successful? <sighs> yes and no. Um, I, I feel like I'm never. I think by the world's standards, I would be considered, I would, people would Mm -hmm. consider me successful. Um, I think in my eyes, I'm thankful. I'm so thankful for the opportunities that have been presented. I've heard you say that like a hundred times this weekend and and you mean it. You genuinely mean that. That, Just an opportunity to succeed. Yeah. That's all, that's all we can ask for. That's all we can because after that, then it's up to us. And I ask you that because for some reason, the word success for like the last two weeks has really been on my brain and on the tip of my tongue. And it's something that I've been thinking about a lot. And um, you bring up the way that the world sees successful people. But I feel like you could be completely uh, bankrupt. You could be in debt. You can be a billionaire in, in all of those categories can breed success. Absolutely. You know, people look at success in a different way, uh, depending on what your eyes are. If I make it, if I, if I open my eyes in the morning, yeah, that's a success in my opinion. Exactly. And it's going to be a good day. Absolutely. I mean, and it's, I think it's a matter of perspective because people sometimes see us as entertainers, people that are in the public eye, like, Oh man, those guys, they travel all over the country and they do this, that, or the other. But I respect the guy who wakes up every morning and goes to a nine to five job, I think that's success. Comes home every night, mows the yard, has a somewhat quote unquote normal life. That's success. If you are like you summed it up, if you wake up and you are breathing, you are successful because you have opportunity and you have hope. You you do. And, and it's what you do with that because there's yes. a lot of people that open their eyes in the morning yeah. and the first thing they do is go, uh, you know, crack a beer or they get into drugs or whatever. Sure. That's their choice yeah. to, to choose not to have a successful day. 
motivational speakers. I love listening to people that are inspiring and things like that. And I heard every, I, I read something or heard something. I don't remember where it was, but it was like every person on the planet has the exact same number of breaths a day, the exact same number of hours and the exact same number of days in a week to create or be whatever you want to be. We're in Green Bay. And this, I saw this on the walls over at Lambeau Field the other day, and it's a, it's a quote from Vince Lombardi, and it says, success is based, this, it goes back to, uh, again, success for some reason has been on my brain a lot in the last two weeks. And I saw this, and I read it, and then I was like, I got to take a picture of it. And it says, success is based upon a spiritual quality, a power to inspire others. And I just thought, how cool is that? Because, you know, when I say the word success, most people think bank account. Sure. But when you think about it like that, like we have a chance to make somebody else smile, to make somebody else realize how powerful they can be in yes. their life and their kids' life and their parents' life. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's success, man. Yeah. If somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, you know what, I'm going to get off my ass tomorrow and I'm going to go finish college or yep. I'm going to, you know, shower up and I'm going to try to get that job or do yep. something like that, then success, man. So my dad came from the streets of Minneapolis and, and, Really? Yeah. Born and raised streets in the Minneapolis, below poverty level. He and his mom had a house cleaning business. They had a little restaurant at one time. And my dad went on to, he's getting inducted in the Proteo Hall of Fame this year and had a very successful career in professional rodeo, whether it be a clown or whether it be, you know, with his animal acts and things like that. But the one thing he taught me is, is, and, and Matt and I talked about this, about trying your guts out in everything you do, period. And if at least, if then if you still suck after you try your guts out, okay, not everybody's great at everything, but you have to give it everything you've got. Okay, you, you can see me. I'm digging through my phone right yeah. now because there's another Vince Lombardi quote that I took a picture of, and, and this is how I started the Ride Pass broadcast yesterday. There's only one way to succeed in anything, and that is to give it everything. Thank and and that, that's exactly the way it is, no matter what it is. If, if you and I are going to get up and walk out that door and we're going to make a foot race out of it, like I got to give it, I got to bust my ass to be successful and win. Well, and that's to me, like when you talk about success, I don't ever want to see myself as successful because I think sometimes when people think they've reached success, they become complacent. Yeah. And I think complacent and mediocrity go hand in hand. I hate, I hate it. And, and I hate it's the thought of I'm my last night after my first CBS broadcast, I was just deflated. I was so, Why so? because I thought I, I thought I was terrible. Yeah. And, and, and so I get done and, and Shauna, you and I both know Shauna with the PBR. She's sitting behind me and she had been listening the whole night and I didn't even want to look. She'd sitting literally two feet away from me, had a headset on the whole night and I like slowly look around thinking she's just going to be like, oh my God, mm-hmm. that was, wow. What did you, why did you, why, why are you still doing this? Right. <laughs> and I slowly look back and she goes, wow. And I'm like, here it comes. Yeah. She's like, you killed it. That's good. And give me thumbs up. And I was like, okay, thank you. First, I've learned to say thank you. 
And it's hard. That's hard sometimes because I want to say there's so and I and I followed my thank you up with there are so many things I could have done better, so many things I will do better if given the opportunity again, and I want to do another one right now so that I can. Oh fix my god! It. <laughs> like we are the exact same person. I and Colby Yates is, is like this too. Um, I cannot listen to these podcasts when they're done. I can't go back and watch. I can't. I can't go back and watch a yeah. broadcast. I can't. I can't even stand for somebody to pull up a video on social media that has me talking in the background because I am my own worst critic. Yeah. And I've, I've said this a million times. If I had to listen to myself, I'm so critical that I'll quit yeah. and get a job. Yeah. But I'm, I'm the same way. It's like I want to go again right now. Right now, yes. And today I watched it. And I was like, of course, they, they edited and they, they were able to fix quite a few things. And in a couple of my stumbles, they were able to make look pretty. And that's the, the beauty of tape delayed television. Live TV's a little less unforgiving and as well as like if you're on Ride Pass and, or something like that. But when it comes down to it, um, I never want to stop trying. And my dad, uh, they instilled that in all of us, you know, to... Never stop trying when you we don't ever think that you've made it. Yeah, because then you will be okay, and you'll just start cruising. And I just that's kind of the way I try to live my life. When did you think this is what you wanted to do? When did you decide? Like, (laughs) and it's funny because a year ago, (laughs) right? Like that's that's what's crazy to me. Yeah, like like you, I I don't know for a fact, but I'm assuming that. You didn't grow up going to rodeos going, man, I want to be that announcer. No. No, I didn't. I didn't. No. I didn't. I, when I, whenever I was a kid, uh, I wanted to be a saddle bronc rider. Then when I realized that I don't like when horses buck, because <laughs> when I was 15, 16 years old, we started buying some horses at the sale bar, and I wanted to be a horse trainer. So I'd save my money up and go buy these five, $600 not very good horses, young horses. We'd I'd start them and... And I hated getting bucked off. So then I'm like, okay, I don't like this. Well, I had started trick roping when I was nine years old. Anything with a rope, I was just enthralled with it. So I started trick roping. I taught myself how to trick rope and started doing... You taught yourself? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I started doing private events with my dad whenever he would have his dog and the monkey and his trick horse. And we were like the three-act thing. So I started doing private events when I was 11, 12 years old. Had a little act and it just kind of evolved. And then as I got older, I would would announce my dad's acts at these little private events. But I'm just like, I'm just doing this so that I don't, don't get yelled at. And... And uh, I'm just trying to do my part to help help my dad make a living. Like that was what we I just did it. That's what we did. And then as I got older, dad tells me one day, and trick roping had become like that was going to be my identity. Still trying to find myself. And as any teenager, if they're listening to this, you can relate. Just trust me. Just weather the storm. You'll figure it out. Right. And because there's points in your life where you're like, who am I? What am I? What am I supposed to do? And you, I mean, there's just so many questions and like, I really want to do this, but I'm not very good, but I'm good at this and I don't really like it. And it just, it's a big conglomerate of just craziness going on in your head. And, but then I'm like, okay, I'm going to be trick roper. I'm going to be specialty act and rodeo. And that's what I'm going to do. And one day my dad goes, I'm, we're at rodeo Austin. We had our own little show and he's like, you should, you should think about announcing. I was probably 17, 18 years old. And I'm like, why do you think I would be a good announcer? Like, I just straight up, why? He goes, well, you talk a lot, 
None of it makes any sense. And so you should really look into it. You're and I, basically yeah. Bob Tallman. <laughs> basically, you just spout a bunch of BS and and nothing out of just you just talk nonstop. And I've always kind of had the gift of gab. I like talking to people. So you learn about people by talking to them, making eye contact, but you're asking outgoing. questions. Like yeah, you're an outgoing person. I'm the exact opposite. When you get me away from work, I'm so uh, that's introverted, right? Introverted really? where you keep closed in. Yeah, you get me in real I've life. Never, you're so talkative to the people at the restaurants. But that is still I mean, like... You call every waiter or waitress by their name. Well, but but that's... <laughs> yes, yeah, the female waitresses. That's still far- work, though. Like, we're still... <laughs> you're I mean, you think about that. that. We came straight off of work. Yeah. You know, I've been in front of a camera all day. Yeah. And, you know, we're in cowboy hats. Yeah. Everybody notices, hey, we're a part of something. And so I feel like I represent that all the time. The second I put on shorts and a ball cap, I'm right back to being the shy, awkward, like very to myself kind of weirdo that I I really am. Well, I think I could have been that way. But when I was uh, probably, let's see, it would have been, I would have been 10 years old to help supplement our income. My dad had these eight by ten colored photos of Whiplash the Cowboy Monkey, which right. was my dad's. And what we would do as soon as we got done with the act, I would go get an apron. I would take a stack of about a hundred monkey pictures and walk the stands. And up and down stairs, get your souvenir photos of Whiplash the Cowboy Monkey. Only really? five dollars. Yeah, I was a I mean that's yeah. And I would sell these pictures. I had to talk to people, I'd get made fun of. Hey monkey boy. You know, just all this and that, but you you learn to almost put a what we have to do it's when we entertain. It's a Jekyll and Hyde thing, yep. man. You put a. It's you, a character. Yep. And then just get your. Is that monkey tied on? No, he's riding with his tail. Why don't you buy one of these pictures? Yeah. It's signed by Whiplash. Yep. You're. I was for. I mean, not forced into it. I like doing it because I got a dollar from every picture I sold. Nice. And so yeah, I mean, little entrepreneur. Yeah. I mean, my dad made four. I made one. I was. Perfect. I was tickled. I mean, I had enough money to go buy cotton candy the next day. That's you one were, of the reasons for my figure. You had a 20% pull right off the top. Math, not my thing, so <laughs> sure. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was a smart kid in high school. It's my fourth semester of college where things really took a dive. Yeah, I, college, that would have been cool. But, but you, started, you started in the business at a very, very early yeah. age, and so... You know, you talk about being 10, 9, 10 years old doing that. You're in a spotlight of some sort all the way through. I was in the shadow of a monkey. Well, that's what I was. <laughs> no. Okay. So Whiplash might have been on the picture. Yeah. But you're the one that's out there telling everybody about yeah. that picture. Yeah. And, and so you're the one that's out there using your voice saying, hey, looky here. Yeah. And essentially it's look at me because I have something for you. Yeah. So that's. I mean, you're in the spotlight. I mean, and, and it was one of those things where that was our eating money. You know what I'm saying? Is, I'm not saying like we were, we weren't, we didn't have much money to be honest, but that was our eating money. Does anybody in Western sports, I mean, honestly, we talk, think about this and I'm not, I'm not going to lead people to believe anything because I know nothing about anybody's financials, but I know this, I know that we spent a lot of time talking about guys that made a million dollars in their career. Guys that might have made $2 million in their career. Um, but it's expensive. Yeah. It's super expensive when you start purchasing animals, when you start oh, yeah. caring for animals, when you yeah. start traveling constantly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I Man. thought I was going to be a professional team roper at a certain point in my life. When I was 23, I moved into Allen Box's house yep. and roped every day. And I'm like... Not a bad guy to rope with. Not a bad guy. To, yeah, he he was he's great to me. But uh, I roped pretty good. Could handle rope pretty good. Didn't really know how to... There's things that he taught me and I still learn today. But there was a time where I would turn down jobs because I wanted to go to these rodeos. I would turn down trick roping jobs or, right. you know, and when I started announcing in goodness, 2011, I think was when I first, yeah, it was 2011 when I first started kind of getting into announcing, like actual announce my first rodeo in Nakona, Texas. And I got paid $300 performance. Really? Uh, and I won the team roping and I won 1200 because I got up in the slack and I won 1200. I'm like, see, this is why I shouldn't announce. I should just team rope for a living and go to all the amateur rodeos and the pro rodeo circuit rodeos. Yeah. And I would... I found myself announcing or trick roping just so I could go home and rope, like go and enter everything I could enter and never made any money. And, uh, and it's one of those things where I had to prioritize my life. So to circle back to your original question is, did I ever think I would be doing this? I mean, I wanted to do whatever God wanted me to do. And I've, that's kind of always been my motto. Mm -hmm. Matt asked me on his podcast, he said, you know, what did you want to be when you were a little kid? Well, I wanted to be a broncrater. But then as I got a little bit older, I would say, I want to be whatever God wants me to be. But I knew that one, once God put something in front of me that I needed to give it my all, it goes, it goes right back to that. Whether it was trick roping, I needed to give that my all. And I've had a, had a somewhat cool, but short trick roping career, but I got to do quite a few cool things, and it took me to Australia. It took me to the NFR. It's got to do some neat things because of a rope. And now because of a microphone and the doors have just opened because of if you work your butt off at the little things, big things will come to you. Yeah, and, I agree. And and you're a prime example of that. And we talked about it. I don't remember when we talked about it, but you were like my first PBR. And you were telling me about that and how you just busted your butt. Yeah. to do everything you could to do a good job. And now you're borderline the face of the PBR. I mean, you're more just, as, and I'm not stroking you, but you're just as recognizable as a Jess Lockwood or a Colbaba or a Silvano because of, because of what God has given you the opportunity to do with that microphone. It's funny you say that because, you know, for the longest time when I started announcing, I would notice these, announcers that would ultimately end up as a preacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's like, like for a while I thought that was, that's just the natural progression. <laughs> you go from announcing and then when announcing doesn't work anymore, you just start preaching. And it's funny because when I was a kid and you can ask my mom, if my mom's listening to this right now, and I know she is, um, I wanted to be a preacher yeah. when I grew up. That's I would go to church. My, I made my mom and dad buy me the Bible that the preacher had. They had to put my name on it, just like the preacher's name was on it. And, yeah. and that's what I was going to do wow. for a living. And then um, I realized really quickly that preachers didn't get to do some of the things that I enjoyed <laughs> doing for a while, especially through college. And then, you know, th then this kind of truth. Got, that's why I like podcasts. It's, it's, just it's so true. Man. I like it. I like and, it. And I love Jesus. I love God. I love my family, but holy shit. I love the F word too. <laughs> I say it all the time. Oh, that's and my biggest. The flaw. best part about the whole thing is my God forgives me every yeah, time. Yeah. Every time. And so I thought, you know, well, that's the natural progression. That's what we do. That's, that's how it is. But, 
I can't believe I never, I've never thought that. So when I thought rodeo announcers were just washed up cowboys or cowgirls or people that couldn't succeed in anything else, and they either became a judge or a rodeo announcer. Well, that's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. We pretty much both nailed it right on the head. So, if you think about it, uh, oh no, actually, we're pretty lucky, man. Like, because I look back, like. Before I ever thought about picking up a microphone, Clint McSpadden was like the yeah. voice of my childhood, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. And people ask me, you know, who do you look up to? Well, there's two names that come to mind every single time, and I'm going to blow your mind here, but Clint <laughs> McSpadden's one of them. Yeah. And the other is Jim Ross. Like, those are the two guys that, like, I probably listen to the most because I'm a diehard rodeo fan. I'm sure. a diehard wrestling fan. Sure. And they're both cowboys, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, who did you... uh when you started announcing, did you find people? Did you, you were like, oh, you know, I want to be like Bob or I want to be like Boyd or anything like that? It was one of those things where growing up, my dad with his acts, he had a very special connection with the announcers. Because when it comes down to it, if you're a specialty act, the announcers are your lifeblood. If you're a specialty act, you're a clown. You're only as good, no matter how good your product is, you're only as good as the announcer that's setting you up for the punchline right. or selling your act and, and you know, telling the story of whatever, whatever. And, you know, my dad and Tallman, dad always spoke so highly of Tallman, of, of Randy Corley. And then there was this younger guy who dad said the first time he saw him, he had a hat that looked like he bought it at a truck stop and his shirt was wrinkled and it, and he was on just this ugly horse and it was rodeo for Mac Altizer. And it was this Yankee kid from Wisconsin yeah. that had a great voice, but had no brains yeah. and Boyd Paul Hamas. And dad would just rip him a new one every time that he worked with him. And then something clicked where Boyd became a, a storyteller and and he became this guy that, that I mean, and he continues to be one of the greats in, mm-hmm. in professional rodeo. And so whenever I started announcing, but then there was, you know, we worked the world's toughest rodeos in the Midwest. So Roger Mooney was the guy and, and Hadley Barrett, you know, Justin McKee. Every, when I started announcing every one of the, the great announcers had some, the first, <laughs> tell you a funny story. I didn't know who Anthony Lucia was. I knew I wanted to announce. Nobody else listening to this does right I now. Didn't, I didn't know who Anthony Lucia was. And so my very first pro rodeo was with Liesl Harris in Canton, Texas. And so announced the rodeo and Liesl, after the, he's walking out, he looks up the announcer and he says, come to my van. And I've always heard, you know, Liesl just cusses people up and down if they don't do a good job. And I'm like, here it comes. And I've known Liesl since I was a little kid because my dad was a specialty act. Liesl was a clown. We did the Harper and Morgan runs multiple times down in the southeast and come to his van. And he's sitting there. He's taking his makeup off. He goes, son, you're going to do good in this business. He said, but tonight I heard a little bit of Roger, heard a little bit of Wayne, heard a little bit of Boyd, heard a little bit of Bob, heard a little bit of Hadley. He goes, and every once in a while I'd hear a little bit of Anthony, and that's the guy that I really liked. And I'll never, ever forget that. And it took me it took me a while to fully be confident and comfortable knowing that it's okay to be me. Yeah. And my older brother, Tommy Joe, he's helped me so much in, in being a mentor. And he told me, he said, Anthony, here's the thing. If you're going to be successful, be successful as Anthony. And if you suck, 
And if you're going to just not be good, at least not be good being you so that you don't go down being the guy who was trying to be everybody else. And that has stuck with me forever. And from announcing now into doing more television, I find it so much more comfortable being me. I think that that is a natural thing, though, and I think that we all experience it to a certain degree because no, no matter what you do in life, you think about a baseball player. When you're in Little League or whatever and you're stepping up to the plate, well... I was homeschooled, if, so I don't... Okay. <laughs> well, organized sports, what is, what is that? But if you... you know. It, Okay, you taught yourself how to trick rope. Mm-hmm. You had to see other trick ropers. Oh yeah, to decide I you wanted to do Vince it. Vince Bruce and J.W. Stoker and Tomas right. Garcilazo and Jerry Diaz. So you pick a rope up. Yeah. Your initial thought is, I want to do what those guys are doing. Yeah. So in some way, shape, or form, you're emulating somebody. Absolutely. And I think we all do that. If you want to be successful, I think the natural thing is to emulate successful people. And somewhere along that way, you realize what you just said is. I can't be that person. The one thing that every announcer, every successful TV personality, every successful announcer, and I'm just saying things that I'm doing now, mm-hmm. even Team Roper, yeah, is there's a consistent foundation in every one of those different things, okay? Right. But once you build that foundation, then you start laying the brick and mortar to make it your way. Yep. But Boyd, Bob, and I'm throwing out rodeo names. Hopefully, rodeo people listen to this podcast. And but all of those people, Craig Hummer, Justin McBride, Ty Murray. It's a it's the foundation of being a broadcaster. It's a foundation, and then they make it into their own. But there's still a certain level of a foundation. But you have to. You can emulate those people to build the foundation. Everybody's got a different swing. Yeah. Pitchers. Everybody's got a different throwing style. Patrick Mahomes can sidearm. No look all this stuff, he can scramble, he can do this. Peyton Manning, not that athletic, but could throw it, pinpoint it. We were talking about who's the the greatest of all time earlier this week in football, and somebody brought up the name Tom Brady, and they said, well, you know, obviously Tom Brady's the the greatest, you know, he's got to go down as the greatest, you know. And then somebody else said, I don't know, Brett Favre's that guy. Because you look at Brett Favre and – He's having fun. He's just running around. He's throwing from his hip. And, yep. You know, he's jumping sideways yeah. and throwing. It's like you can argue for both of them. Yeah. You know, I think I think you can do that with anything. Absolutely. And, and it's the same thing with, shoot, Richard and Richard Jones, our mutual friend. He always talks about, like, he'll get into conversations. Who's the greatest bull rider of all time? And some people say Jim Sharp. Some people say Tough. Some people say Lane. Some people say Donnie Gay. It's opinion. Yeah, JB. It's a matter of opinion. But the one thing that they all have in common is eight seconds. Yeah. It's sliding their hand in there, tying their hand in. It's a foundation. And then they made their riding style. Joe says loosey-goosey all over and just makes everything just look amazing. JB just will go down he will go down in history in my humble opinion yeah. as yeah. the greatest ever yeah because of not only what he's accomplished and what he's won but the spirit of a cowboy that he has and, and the toughness and you 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 know you say that spirit of the cowboy i i say this all the time i wish i wish people could see the jb that i see because everybody sees the tough dragon slayer but i wish they could see the heart that that guy has and what a 
a good human he is inside. And that's the good thing about what we do is we get to see those yeah. with a lot of people. Yeah. You talk about your family a lot. You grew up in a family that is so ingrained in Western sports. If people don't know, kind of give a little bit of a background. You talked about whiplash. Yeah. So my dad, uh, who's getting inducted, and I think I already said this, but he's getting inducted to the Proteo yeah, Hall of Fame okay. this say year. It again. It's, say it a hundred times. It's the coolest thing. He passed away a few, well, actually three years ago yesterday and uh, on his 75th birthday and in his career the, he he came from nothing in the streets of Minneapolis and he moved to Arizona and worked on a I mean dude ranch and started fighting bulls and training dogs and and the story goes on and on but then he went on to basically just bust his butt go into a business that he had no connection to there was no rodeo people in his family. His dad was in the mafia. I mean, and just crazy, crazy stuff. And his mom was just the hardest working lady ever. And my older brother, Tommy Joe, has was a clown, successful cl- entertainer, clown. Um, then he got into production, and he produced the PBRs for 10 years. And he has produced such IndyCar. a great for the business. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. And, and he's just whatever. And then... That's really the rodeo when it comes down to it. And then there's me. But my other brother, Dominic, who is a doctor, he actually just took over Scott and White Hospital, the whole pediatrics division. Really? Running in Temple, Texas. Uh, just got promoted to that. So that's so con- cool. Yeah, congrats to him. And and so, but that was that's the thing is the the foundation that my dad taught us about working hard and hard work always works and trying your guts out. My brother was gonna went to school for like 11 years because he was going to be a physical therapist. Then he changed his major, paid his own way through college, uh, paid his own way through med school, got, got worked his butt off to get scholarships and was summa cum, all that jazz. Yeah. 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 Barely. He was really smart, super smart gotcha. and not a lick of common sense, but boy, he's smart and he will, he will, uh, no, he's, he's great, but works, worked his butt off. And, and that's, that's the thing is, Dad even told us, he's like, I don't want you guys to be in rodeo because dad knew how hard and like what you just talked about a moment ago, it's hard to make a living doing rodeo. And Dominic went another direction and now he's doing really well for himself. Tommy Joe, he's done well for himself being in rodeo, being in IndyCar, uh, producing concerts and all the different things that rodeo has opened the doors. And dad always told me, he said, rodeo is going to be a gateway for you. Bingo. He's like, rodeo is not your end game. Don't ever think of it as your end game. And I've never thought of it as my end game. And even a couple of days ago, I was talking to Matt, and I said, I just realized that God's opening doors for me to do more than rodeo. Isn't and that awesome? more than announce rodeos, which, I mean, all I've wanted to do was, as since I've changed my brand to a rodeo announcer, per se, was get the big rodeos announcing. Yep. Well, now I'm seeing that, man, this TV deal's kind of cool and it's fun and i enjoy it and i get an adrenaline rush last night i did a 47 minute show and it was i was sweat i literally sweated through my undershirt because it was so fast it was so and you've done it i mean it was like guys yelling in your ear and they're just blah 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 blah. it was intense and i got done and i'm like whoo that was fun but you look at things the exact same way I do. And when you were talking about wanting to grow up and be a team roper, yeah. you know, that's that's where you wanted to be. I would encourage everyone and, and, and everyone, 
get out of a box. Yes. Don't. And I say this in my gym all the time, you know, and it's like maybe the most cliche a motivational thing that that said is you know you can't be successful inside your comfort zone so get out and and that's with me a super shy guy yeah. super reserved quiet hate talking in front of people all of a sudden boom smacked in the face with this announcing thing yeah. fall in love with it <laughs> yeah and that's that's all I want to do My, you know I had a couple of goals I wanted to do the ACRA finals yeah never got to do them <laughs> wanted to do the IFR yeah never got to do them. Um, but those were the two big goals. So, and, and then I realized, yeah. Hey, God's got something much different planned yeah. for you. And then, you know, in 2010, I get to go to my first PBR finals. I exactly. do it every year. All of a sudden, like that's, that's where I'm at. And, and, and I, I can tell you straight up again, my next goal became, I want to do the PBR finals more than anybody ever has. Brandon Bates was my, you know, he was my guy that yeah. I had to beat and ride pass comes up. Matt, we want to move you and put you on camera. We want to, you know, gear you more towards a play-by-play commentator role. And I was like, no, it's going to screw up my goal. <laughs> yep. Like, you don't understand. Yep. I have this plan, yeah. and you're going to screw that up. Exactly. And then it took me a while, and it took me a lot of thinking, a lot of heavy praying to realize that it's such a metaphor for life. Yeah, we all do the same thing. Like yeah. this is what I'm going to do. This is what exactly. I'm going to do with my life. And then God says, <laughs> yeah. "Watch this, because exactly. I'm changing your path." And then you realize, man, okay, yeah, you got it. You got it way, way better. But still, as much as I love what I do, sure, I have a million other things I want to do, yep. and yep. I'm going to do them. Yeah, I'm going to. And I feel like you think and look at things the exact same way. No, I, I mean, I, I've, yes, I, I can relate to that immensely because throughout my life, I had goals. Whenever I was trick roping full time, I wanted to get the NFR. I got the NFR. Right. Wanted How to many trick times rope you go to Vegas? Four that? times. Four That's times. so cool. Four to, it, was, it was awesome. So it was an cool. awesome experience. Then I want to have my own talk show. I got my own talk show. Yep. Okay, then my, my goal for my talk show is I want to televise. It gets televised the last three years. Trick roping. I wanted to win specialty act theater. Never won it, but I got nominated three years in a row as act inter, act entertainer of the year in professional rodeo. And then I'm like, okay, announcing. I want to get every big rodeo in the country, and then I want to win announcer of the year, and then I want to announce the NFR. <laughs> and it literally in a matter of weeks, recently, all that's changing. To holy cow. I can do I can do this stuff on TV and I that that's the it's the craziest thing because I'm getting calls for rodeos and I can't go do them because I'm doing TV and at first I'm like oh my gosh and then I'm like wait a second I get to fly in the day of or day before do one or two nights fly home still be on my place rope all week do whatever yes I spend a lot of time on the road and and there are sacrifices and there are pros and cons in everything you do. But how blessed am I to be able to do this? When we were all walking back into the hotel from eating dinner a minute ago, I said, this, this is awesome. Because yeah. there was five or six of us and we just got done laughing and telling stories and the camaraderie and the teammates were all doing different things, but we're all one team. Yep. And it's the, I'm going to say it again and I'm going to sound redundant, but I am so thankful for opening God opening my mind going hey man you should see what I got planned for you what's cool about that group that you were talking about and and it's a group that that thankfully we've all spent so much time together 
But I think a big part of the reason why we've spent so much time together is because we all have the same outlook on things. We all have the same mindset in not only do I want to do what's best for me, but I want to do what's best for you. I want to do what's best for Matt Merritt. I want to do what's best for our buddy Richard. Like we all want today to be the best day of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And then that's the way that, I mean, in any, any, wherever you live or anything you do, I mean, if you have that kind of outlook where you want to make the, you said it earlier, I want to make the people around me better. I want to inspire them. I want to motivate them. And I want to, you know, that's that was kind of my dad's motto is he wanted to give people a break from the real life right. with his acts or his entertainment. And that's kind of the same thing that we have the opportunity to do as broadcasters is for the two hours or the hour or whatever that they listen to us, we get to take people into a whole nother world and tell them a story and tell them about these great people and the animal athletes and just the amazingness that is Western sports. And and gosh, I'll be forever grateful for that opportunity. Well, and that, that's, you know, you're just like me in the sense that we're both fans and oh. we're fortunate <laughs> enough to get to be a part of the industry. Matt Merritt is here with us. Matt, you just, you just texted me. It's okay. We've got microphones. You, you can, you can chime in. You're a part of this. I didn't text you, Anthony, just Matt. He's looking at his phone. Uh, so you asked Anthony a question earlier, and you asked if he was successful or if he viewed himself as successful. And I've been sitting there marinating on that. I've been listening to you guys, which has been a lot of fun anyway. But I've been You looked extremely bored, and you took <clears throat> your pants off. I was putting real-time pain relief <laughs> on my legs because they hurt. For oh, this is my podcast. Yeah. Quit trying to plug your sponsors. Mountain Ops pain relief. I had need. to take off my Wrangler pants and put some real-time pain relief on my leg. <laughs> He may have took his Wranglers off, but he left his American hat on the whole time. <laughs> I drove here, by the way. It's funny that we're, we're, we're laughing and we're joking about all these shameless plugs, but I did. I drove 12 hours from Delaware, Oklahoma to Green Bay, Wisconsin for this event. And I tell you what, I had the greatest ride ever. Thank you to Cooper Tires. Here you go. <laughs> well, uh, I, I want to say this. You you did say, you, you asked him if he found himself successful and uh, Anthony answered it. I know Anthony very well. He answered that honestly. And uh, that's a cool thing about podcasts. But I, I've been thinking about what is success the whole time. And that's what I text Matt. I think success, Anthony has got the other mic right now. So, Matt, you'll have to take this one if you're in a – no, but I think success is confidence. Because I, I, there's been times in my, my life where I didn't think I was successful, but I think I am now because I'm confident. Um, I think I have a successful marriage because I'm confident in that marriage. Uh in a way that I can't explain. If you're not confident in your marriage, I don't know how to explain to you how I feel about it. But the same way in my job, I'm confident in it. And confidence comes through failing and then just walking right through it like it never happened. Okay. But that being said, as much as we talked earlier about, you you know, in, in this business, in, in anything where you're in the spotlight, you have to have this inept confidence. You have to have this. I, I bluff your way through it. If you yeah, can. I don't want to say I don't want to say ego because I absolutely I despise ego. I hate people's egos, but we all have them you a little have bit. To. Being uh, an entertainer and walking out in front of thousands of people to either love you or hate you. I don't want Tommy Joe told me this. He said, "Don't be arrogant, but you gotta be a little bit. There's you gotta yeah, you have, have a to. certain amount of swag." And I don't know if I have swag 
because I have to bluff my last night when they said, okay, we're going on in 10. I wanted uh-huh. to crawl under the desk and say, nope, just kidding. I don't want to do this. You know how long it's taken me to <laughs> convince myself that, you know what? I can laugh and joke and fart around until they say three, yeah. two, and I know that when they say one and that red light comes on, I can go. Yeah, I still have to convince myself of that every once in a while because, and the reason I, I jumped in here is because you're talking about confidence. We spend so much time on the road. I think people, and this is not a, a poor us or for pity whatsoever, I don't think people realize how difficult it is to be confident sometimes because for me it's hard it's also hard to spend that much time on the road you know one of the things that that we kind of talked about today uh kind of sidelined around is like depression you know guys that spend so much time on the road you know if you get any lack of confidence in in your profession or your career or whatever and being on the roads lonely i mean like this shit ain't easy it's not like there's as much fun as it is, yeah. But it's I not think easy. you can also get depression if you're living a a life where you get into a routine. I mean, I think that's a. It's all. It goes back to perspective. Yeah, because 100%. we. Yeah, it is lonely. I mean, I wish my wife was with me. When I, I mean, the last two weeks ago, I wish my fiance was with me. And you know, but it's all a matter of perspective because one, when I drive in my gate tomorrow, I am so thankful to be home. But you know what else? And come the end of June, 1st of July, whenever I'm going to be off for three weeks, I'm going to be so excited when I drive to the airport because it's a matter of perspective. It's being thankful in every moment. And back to what you said about confidence, I think I think I don't fully understand that confidence is success because I think there's a lot of people that are confident, but that's still... What do you mean by that? Being I, I, I'm glad you asked. I'm sitting here thinking. <laughs> I wanted. I wanted. Well, to thank you for asking. <laughs> thank you for asking. No, that was this comment would be brought to you by Huey, by the way. Uh, I uh, I think that there are people that we might view as successful. Like let's take for instance. Uh, let's say let's say there's a famous basketball player, and everybody thinks LeBron he's, James. He, he's he's uh, famous. He's got all the money in the world, but we don't know him personally. Obviously, we're just going to think he's successful. Yeah. We don't know where his confidence level is. Well, we don't know. Well, I, I guess at the end of the day, that that person that's confident in who they are, the way they look, uh, you, you can have you can have doubts about yourself, but what I mean is is enough confidence to battle through and realize that you are who you are and you are going to do the job you're going to do and and you have to keep trying to be better every day with enough confidence to know that you're still going to step out on that stage or up to that so that's job. success to me it is when you okay so when you're talking you know what makes me think of success because Le, i'll just use lebron james i don't know if he's happy i don't know he could yeah he posts instagram videos he's and got a lot of money but he's got does a that lot make of money happy but is he happy in the world's eyes he is so successful. He's top 100 on Forbes, blah, 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 BS, blah. There's guys in our business that have had the most successful careers in the world's eyes and are unhappy. Does that, does that make them successful? So to answer your question that you started this whole thing out with, success in Anthony Lucia's eyes is being happy, being filled with peace, feeling loved, and being able to love in the same way that you want others to love you. I'm so glad you started that with being happy because exactly what I'm getting ready to say is what I've thought the whole time. 
to me, think about this, and this is going to sound cheesy, and it's going to sound corny, and you're going to want to. I'm the king of cheese, and we're in Packer country. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> and and you're and as soon as I say this, you're going to want to turn the, the the dial. You're going to want to hit stop or pause or move on to the next podcast or whatever. But hear me out and listen to this. Think about this. Did you genuinely smile at any point today? Did you have a genuine smile on your face? Yeah. A few times. Yes. At least one. At least one. If you had one genuine smile on your face today for any reason, and then you get to do it again tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and you get one genuine smile on your face, to me, that's success. I want to say that I smiled today because of somebody else's smile. Is that little that's kid? It. No, no, no. That little kid in Green Bay today that we gave fan of the night. These Cooper people have no night. idea who what you're talking about. Well, we, we, I know, but we, it does. You don't have to know. There was a this little kid. He's just magnetic smile, and that's why I gave him the Cooper Tire fan of the night buckle. And he made me like I literally kind of choked up looking at him. He was yeah. so genuinely happy. So. Maybe you're that person that gets to smile today, or maybe you're that person that gets to give that smile. Or maybe you're that grumpy son of a bitch that needs to just look at somebody tomorrow or today, whenever you're listening to this. My favorite thing in the world, and this is legit, and you've seen me do it a a gazillion times, my favorite thing in the world is to just randomly smile at a stranger and say hi and ask them how they're doing because it catches them off guard. Yep. And that's sad to me. Hold the door open for somebody. And they they they, veer around you. At the restaurant, when we walked out, there was two middle, probably 45, 50-year-old ladies. They were coming probably 20 feet behind us. I see them coming, and we I knew we weren't in a hurry. So I just stand there and hold the door open. They literally stepped around me like I was going to try to yeah. mug them. Yep. And I'm standing, like, holding the door open. And they like, look back, and I go, how you guys doing? Yeah. And, I, and they were shocked. Isn't and that I'm, sad? It's, it is, it's crazy. They didn't have confidence. They didn't have, no. They weren't successful. They, they were they successful. They were not successful. <laughs> Clearly, they didn't have confidence, and they weren't wearing cinched jeans. And so, um, say I won't turn your microphone I mean, off. It's, right it's now. one of those things. If you wear Justin boots and and you wear resist all on your head, it just I'll it wear gives Justin you. Boots. I I got no problem with that. I, I got no. I'm wearing I'm wearing daggum Nike tennis shoes right now, I'm but honest, I'm open to I'm wearing bare, Justin boots. I'm barefoot and wearing gym shorts because I've been wearing boots the last three days on concrete, and I was I was. We, ready. We're all we we are all officially sponsor prostitutes. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it's prostitution. I think it's more of believing in a company and just wanting to represent them at a high level. Well, I believe that I'm barefooted right now, and I need something to put on my damn feet. We might be able to do something. I, I know some. I know some nice folks hey, over there. You, Justin Brand. Bring up. You bring up Justin Boots, and and if I, you want to get into a pair of Justin Boots, make sure you go to justinboots.com and check them out. I got a style gotta for quit, everyone man. in your you gotta, family. You, you, you got you to quit. If uh, you want to be happy, go to Matt Merritt's Roadcast. On. This, is tur- this has turned into the most ridiculous episode No, it's a ever. group of announcers and a clown in a room. And so we it's just, so fun, though. We fight it. It's so fun. Um, but I want to go back to, yeah, that's it. That's it. People are getting to hear a real conversation. This is the kind of shit we talk about. Um, but you just did like this really cool commercial where you were getting a trick rope and do all kinds of stuff for Justin. Like you have taken what you wanted to do when you were nine, 10 year old kid. And you've expanded that far into things that 
are outside of the arena. Yeah, it's it's so neat to be. I one I love being tomorrow whenever I land. Like, and I'm not. This isn't a shameless plug, but we're going right from the airport to the stockyards there in Fort Worth for a photo shoot for Cinch. And and I've been Cinch was my second sponsor partner i like to call him partner because i feel like you sponsor a kid in ethiopia right so that he can go to I school agree. i feel like a partner because when it comes down to it it's we, we yeah we partner with these companies that believe in us because we believe in them i've and been we, wearing wrangler since i was a baby yeah absolutely Absolute, like and, and, legit when i signed my wrangler contract i posted a picture of me like and i think it was my very first christmas holding up a pair of wranglers yeah. and i just thought that was the coolest thing we used to buy them at walmart wranglers that's right 1996 is when cinch was established lead don't follow but uh it's <laughs> But uh, but no, we used to go to. You could buy them for thirteen, like thirteen dollars. Yeah, and and buy Wrangler. So I mean, and Wrangler sponsored my dad and Robert yeah. Lever and Jeff Chadwick, and those yeah. guys are those guys are great guys. And there's that's the cool. That is one of the coolest things about our industry as yeah. it grows is there's room for everybody. Whether right. it's Justin, whether it's Ariat Double H, and and Olathe, Matt, one of Matt's boot partners, and and that's what's... But you know what just happened? What? We completely just blew... If there's rodeo announcers <laughs> out there right now, we just blew their mind. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> you're a cinch guy, and you said Wrangler. Yeah. I'm a Wrangler guy, and I talked about cinch yeah. on my podcast because they're like, there's this weird thing that guys have, like, I can't even say that brand. Yeah. Like, they don't exist. It's blind loyalty. That's that's the thing, and it's not. I don't even know if it's real loyalty because it's not. It's, you have to ha- be able to think your way through things. And it's like when Cinch became a national sponsor of the PRCA, and Wrangler has done so much to be great, with, and and has helped the just the Western sports as a whole. Yeah. But when there's room for everybody, that's and right. the more the more partners that these. The PBR has been a great example of that over throughout the years, and they've kind of opened people's minds up to that. Is hey, hey guys, the more partners we have, the more money everybody gets. Right, but like really cool. Like today, look what happened today, and this is I love it. I love things like this. Like you know, our friend Brandon had something come up, and he had to, you know, leave early. Yes, I, I'm doing ride pass. You're here. You did CBS last night. Brandon and Randy are upstairs. Well, it's an easy solution. Anthony's here. He's going to jump into this spot. I'm yeah. going to go jump into Brandon's spot. Exactly. Guess what? There's enough of us around. Yep. But do you know how many people in any business would say, well, you know what? No, we don't need to use so-and-so. Yeah. Or, bullshit. Yeah. Like, I want everybody to succeed. Let's find a way that we can get everybody on board. We're all on the same team. And Matt Merritt's raising his hands. Like I'm raising my hand because if you – are going to let Anthony step in and do your job for half the night? You know why you're going to let him do it? Because you have confidence. Yeah. And I'm serious. It goes yeah. back to what I'm saying. Yeah, I smiled all the way up yeah, to that booth. Legit. If, if you can believe in yourself enough to let some other guy step up and pinch hit for you, then then you're going to be okay. That's what I'm saying. That's success. Well, and Matt's known me long enough and, and has seen me in every situation and scenario possible, not just in this business, but in life. And I'm sitting in the announcer stand and one of my screens is you and Colby and and I can see everything. And I did like I sat up there and I smiled because I was watching you guys. I knew you were having a blast. I knew I was having a blast. I was getting to work with some of my best friends ever. Like today was a success, fellas. Yeah. 
Indeed. Today was a, a success. We were we were confident and happy, so therefore we're successful. Let me today. ask you this, business wise. Business. Business wise, uh, five dollars. No, what? I'm sorry. Uh, Never mind. <laughs> to you, to you, and, and you've got a resume that that man. Like there, I, when I started doing this podcast, you were one of the first people I thought of that I was like, man, that guy's so super interesting. And don't don't roll your eyes at me or whatever because. Like the first time I saw you, like I remember seeing you in the arena at the NFR and then I watched your talk show in Vegas and like you have done so many different things. You've got such a cool resume of accomplishments. Career-wise, what's your favorite thing that you've accomplished? To oh gosh, I in everything that I've done there's been those moments where you like you said where you smile. And you're like, wow. To, I mean, they're the first time I worked the NFR and I walked down the little tunnel mm-hmm. and they shut the lights off and I look out there and I look in the stands and there's 16,000 people there just ready to just go nuts. And I go out there and I trick rope and, and I had 45 seconds and there's pyro going up all around me. And I jump through it and I sell it. And the crowd just... Yeah, that's a moment I'll never forget. Last night when I picked up the CBS microphone, I got emotional. Right. And I, I mean, I'm looking at all these monitors and Justin McBride sitting there working on notes and I pick up this microphone that says CBS on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, this is for real. This is happening because and then there's been points in even in my team roping career when I won my very first pro rodeo team roping. I was like, wow, this is awesome. The first time that I turned on my Dish Network and went to Ride TV and I saw Live with Lucia on the guide, a talk show that in 2009, when I, people still don't know me, they really didn't know me then. <laughs> and Chris Woodruff at Group W Productions gave me a chance to do a talk show on a little riser and I had three stools and that was our stage and there was about 11 people that would watch us for about we had an hour show they'd stay for about six seven minutes and then another 11 would come in and be like oh okay I got hungry man I had to get up I'm sorry (laughs) exactly (laughs) but the first time I saw live with Lucia on my television that was a moment I'll never forget and there's been times just out riding a young horse where he, finally they 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 get it and they and they'll cross over and they'll pivot off their back leg and they'll they'll give to you there and you just feel them or when there's just but there's so many moments where I'm just like wow yeah. and so I yeah. can't really pinpoint there's not been one doing the I'll tell you one of the neatest things and I will never forget this. It's when I, I got to MC the NFR back number ceremony in 2017. And I looked out into the audience and there's all these contestants and committees and everything like that. And I saw you, I saw Richard, I saw Matt, I saw my brother, Tommy Joe, my brother, Dominic flew in. That's a moment. And I saw my, some of my best friends and I saw my family who came to watch me. That was a, a moment. There's just, there's. I don't think I could pinpoint one because each one of those moments in my life has touched me deeply and has pushed me forward to, I want to keep getting those moments. It's official. It is, it is official that 
Anthony is an announcer because I ask him a point blank question and he gives me a 15 minute answer and doesn't say shit. I, I felt like I said a lot there. Um, hey, Matt, uh, Matt, you've kind of we we've kind of brought you in. I'll use this one. Uh, what? Same question. What's what's the, like the thing that that really steps out to your mind in your career? Maybe your best biggest accomplishment. Well, since I'm sitting really close to you, I'll say this: uh, when you helped me go to Australia, that was a big turning point for me. Uh, I can remember being sitting there with my wife, uh, going to do PBR Australia, and and I got told that I was hired, and I was like, "Yeah, right." Like it's okay, I'm going. But then they bought my plane ticket, and I got the email confirmation that I really had a seat on that flight. And um, that was a big turning point for me. I'll never forget that. I'll never forget. Uh, and it, like Anthony, I could go on and on. Like this very weekend for me, Flint Flint Rasmussen, uh, his daughter Paige was graduating high school, so he couldn't be here in Green Bay. So I kind of got a chance to pitch for the Yankees. And uh, it, at the same time, I was here this weekend, and my wife sent me a uh, long video, but it was of my oldest daughter, Rui, who's ten. Uh, at her dance recital and i was so proud of her i don't know that's a moment i wouldn't call that obviously it's not my career but i remember thinking uh, just sitting in this locker room this weekend i was proud for two different reasons proud because i'm a dad that has a a daughter that's shining and beautiful and you know just i'm so proud of what she was doing there and then i'm also proud of myself and the opportunities that i've been given and uh, the first wcra rodeo that i worked and uh in you almost Vegas, died i almost died uh, but at the same time, I, I, I've got a water bottle full of dirt from that arena. It's not the NFR, probably the closest I'll ever get to it, but it's dirt out of the Thomas and Mack. You're right same with contestant. that kind of attitude. Yeah. Yeah, not confident. Well, I'm not Jeez. a barrel guy. They get It's a barrel man that they take. There you go. Back to you. <laughs> he sounds See, like he, a barrel racer making so excuses. If, if, if confidence is what you're saying is success – that's see you're putting it were, was he not in here when we talked about the box yeah. so you're saying well you're literally labeling that you think it's going to be like that you think when Clem McSpadden announced the NFR that that Bob Tallman anybody ever thought a guy like Bob Tallman who's a ultimate entertainer and Clem was soft and had such a great way of explaining things and he was storyteller yeah he was a storyteller then yeah. Bob Tallman Las Vegas you think that it everybody you know what I'm saying? Hey, you don't think ever it, limit yourself because I'm I'm literally your biggest fan, and I can say that proudly. But don't ever limit yourself, and I'm not like schooling you. But I'm saying, don't ever say that. Well, you got to be in the well. I mean, my goodness. Remember before Flint, everybody had to wear baggies. Yeah, exactly. Game changing stuff. Yeah, and there's always going to be Joe Bumgardner. Yeah, went to shorts. Shorty Gorm's wearing a ball cap now. There's going to be. Uh, you know, Greg Crabtree or ball cap, you know, so there's always going to be somebody that changes the game and the rest of us are going to benefit for it. And so, man, just stop everybody. If you're listening to this right now, stop putting yourself in a box. The only thing that belongs in a box It's going to be a Saturday no, Night Live skit. No, that was literally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, last, last <laughs> two things, two things last. Um, one is how do people follow you? I know live with Lucia in Vegas. That's the talk show. You do it every day during the NFR. Yes, and this could be our last year. Okay. 
could be our last year. There's some big opportunities. Get your tickets now while you can. Well, it's could free. So okay. it's going to be at the Rio. Okay. So come watch us. Really? Here. Yeah. Uh, the whole Sands Expo, that whole show moving. is moving to the Rio. We've got our, our, it's a really cool stage there and it's in its own room and it's mm-hmm. going to be pretty, pretty darn neat. It'll be on Ride cool. TV again this year. We, we got that deal done last week and well, yeah, it would have been last week. And uh, so you can come see me during the NFR live with Lucia. I'm not sure what I'll be doing at night yet. I could be at the Mandalay Bay. Either way, either go to the Mirage or one of the MGM properties for one of the night shows. Instagram, Twitter, yeah, Facebook, all at, that stuff. At Super Lucia 33, at S U P E R L U C I A 33. Instagram, you can follow me on Facebook, at, at which is just Anthony Lucia. And, uh, if you go to my personal Facebook page, you'll see a picture of me dipping my wife and giving her a smooch. If you go to my 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 uh, entertainment page, you'll see me holding a microphone, and mm-hmm. both things bring me a lot of joy. Obviously, my wife is a bit uh, bit more fulfilling than a microphone sometimes. Um, is that, that was that was that naughty? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. Matt Merritt has a, an awesome podcast, Roadcast. You can find it on iTunes. You can find it just about anywhere you can find uh, podcasts. Where I got this feeling that that this 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 conversation is so much fun. Hear me out. This was this was Anthony Lucia's podcast, but this was so much fun that I feel like the three of us, maybe another guest or whatever, we need to just sit and shoot the shit for a little bit. And like just not business, but maybe just have some fun. So um, check out Roadcast with Matt Merritt. Check him out on social media as well. Lucia on social media. Live with Lucia. Last question. PBR Ride to Glory. PBR oh, yeah. Tuesdays Ride on TV. Ride TV channel 248 on Dish or Ride TV Go. And that's on what days? Tuesdays. PBR Tuesdays. Tuesdays. You and thing. Colby Yates. That's Me, awesome. Yeah, Colby Yates and Janie Johnson. It's a great. It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Um Man, if somebody didn't know Anthony Lucia before this show or if Anthony Lucia drops off the face of the earth tomorrow, what do you want people to think about him? I want people to think that Anthony Lucia always lightened up a room whenever he got in. I want to be known as a good guy. I want him to be known as a happy guy. And if I can, and this is going to sound cliche, but I want to make people feel better about themselves when they're done talking to me. That's awesome. I think that's a great way to end it, man. Because, like, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I, I I think that you've you've nailed it thus far in life, my friend. So I am super super proud of everything that you've accomplished. I am super happy to call you a friend, and uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds. So well, I'd be nothing, and I'm not stroking you, but I'd be nothing without guys like you, McBride, Richard, Matt, my brothers, my dad, who have pushed me and have constantly given me a bar to strive towards you. I said that was the last thing, but I'm coming back because I feel like, like everything you talk about, you include your father, everything you've said it time and time again, that dude had such an influence on you. It continues. He's been gone for three years. And yesterday, uh, I was laying and it was his birthday and, it was ironic that my first mm-hmm. network television show was on his birthday. And I was yesterday morning about to head to my meeting with the, the network and go through the show rundown and everything. And I was just overwhelmed because I was like, man, how cool is that? My dad's still his 
it, that's not a coincidence. No, it's not. Absolutely not. Out of all the days of the year, there's 365 days. My first big opportunity. It's not my first. I've had opportunities my whole life. My first to me, which was one of the coolest things I've ever got to be a part of, was on my dad's birthday. That's not a coincidence. Yep. And man, my dad's still a huge. I wore a purple pocket square. I saw that. last night. I saw that. Favorite color is purple. And you posted on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I just. It's just it's just cool, and my dad, he uh, he's with me every day, and and I'll never, I'll never forget or stop learning from what he's taught me. Well, you have officially choked everybody up now, and uh, I got tear in my eye, so that's the end of the podcast. So thanks a lot, you son of.